Hey, and welcome to Skip Intro, the new podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with a couple of our own personal recommendations. My name is John Boehm, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Great to see you, Ali. What are we talking about this week? Hi, John. We have got so much cool stuff to talk about this week. We are deep in euphoria. We've got season two that's just returned and a lot to talk about there. Somebody Somewhere, which is a new comedy that comes from HBO that starts this week. And we finish with our dinner party recommendations, things that we have both loved and that we recommend you should check out. Should we get straight into it? Yeah, let's jump into the world of euphoria. Suddenly the whole world goes dark. And nothing else matters but the person standing in front of you. I'm envious of your generation. You guys don't care as much about the rules. And they're just reaching for something to make it all seem meaningful. Baby, just take your time. You're delicate. And it's everyone I love to at least try and change. Loosely based on an Israeli television series of the same name, uh, Euphoria is the acclaimed teen drama from HBO, which they describe as following a group of high school students as they navigate love and friendship in a world of drugs, sex, trauma, and social media. Starring Zendaya in the lead role of Rue, uh, the Emmy award-winning series has just returned with its second season. Ali, I do have to admit that up until about 10 days ago, I'd never seen an episode of Euphoria. Um, What? I know, shocking. Um, I I, I have subsequently spent the last week and a bit burning my way through the first season and the specials and the beginning of season two. Um, So I'm very much in the world of Euphoria. I don't know. John, before we go on, I just have to say, are you okay? Because going down the (laughs) rabbit hole of Euphoria is quite a big thing. It's intense. It's a big thing to watch at once. I think it's definitely something that helps when you can spread it out. So are you okay? You've come up for air. (laughs) No, I have. I've discovered a lot of great music in the process. So that's been maybe the silver lining. But yeah, I don't know what I thought going into this show. Obviously, I was aware of it. I knew it was sort of a cultural thing. I knew that Zendaya was this star on the rise. But again, I didn't really, I think I thought the show was just about drugs honestly going into it just seeing the trailers and stuff I thought it was about a girl who had a drug addiction and the show was all about that and to be fair it sort of is but obviously it's a lot lot more than that I found it really interesting again um I'm not a teenager uh just for new listeners of the show so it's been a while since I guess I've been in this real young adult world I do think every generation does seem to have kind of a defining like young adult show I remember in high school Dawson's Creek being a very big thing and sort of for my older brother 90210 being the thing and I guess more recently sort of skins euphoria definitely seems to be taking that mantle at the moment as sort of the defining teen show it's so interesting is that so I first saw this show at the LA screenings in um, May 2019 and it came out in the June on HBO it played through the US summer June July 2019 doesn't that feel like a lifetime ago and then what's been really interesting about Euphoria is how many people I think have discovered it since it first launched so it's been over 18 months since we had that first season I think in lockdown a lot of people found this and probably binged it and what we've seen coming into the second season as well as obviously Zendaya um, as the lead and, and so famous and with Spider-Man going crazy around um, Australia this this summer in the, th- in the cinemas, 
is the audience for this show has really grown and it feels based on people on the street and, you know, people just watching and, and who we know is watching this on binge, it's gone beyond just that teen audience as well. And it, I think it's a really interesting point to talk about, about who is this show for and ways into it. Cause you certainly, you might've seen that purple haze, the beautiful up close shot of, of Zendaya from the season one key art. Um, and we return following the, the holidays to this same group of high school students at the next stage of, of their high school journey. But I just, oh, there's so much I want to start talking about in terms of the differences between season two already versus season one. But your point around the show that kind of does this, my generation, there was a movie called Kids, which was really kind of graphic at the time. And it, it looked at drugs and sex and, and HIV and stuff in, in New York. And I remember it was shocking and overwhelming. When, we, when I saw this at the screenings, I was sitting next to a couple of other executives that had teenagers and teenage girls. And I know the parental response as people walked out of that screening room for the first time was just like is this realistic is this really what kids are going through the drugs and there was probably drugs penises and bicycles was my 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 take on this if you just kind of casually watched euphoria and didn't kind of get into it what was this show about but it taps into lots of really interesting themes that are happening right now that I just want to start talking about what did you think about it's been criticized for too much nudity you know some scenes I think that famously there was a scene or an episode with 30 penises full frontal penis shots in it it's also been heavily criticized by parent groups for being too much about drugs and sex and stuff but equally it's been praised for its point of view um its cinematography the way it's made the acting what's your view on it after after going deep down the rabbit hole yeah I think it's interesting I I almost forget that they teenagers at times because they are going through such heavy stuff and also the show is so stylized and they all seem to you know for people who are basically children still in school they obviously they seem to lead incredibly autonomous lives you know there's not a lot of parents in the show but I do think it's interesting the idea of who the show is for um I did see um Zendaya just before season two ep one came out did post a thing on Instagram sort of reminding everybody that this show's not for everybody and you know parental guidance is recommended and I think there is that thing of teen shows obviously like something like Dawson's Creek is so wholesome in comparison but I think there was the concept that a teen show is sort of watched by younger kids looking up at slightly older kids. So, you know, like a year eight kid might watch a show about kids in year 10, but I almost feel like Euphoria is kind of like people in their mid-20s looking back at people in high school. And I think maybe part of that is because the show is made by Sam Levinson, who's like 35. So kind of it does feel like this mature look at a very heightened version of of high school. And that's what I think is really interesting. I think you've got the younger audience that are this age that are watching it and are are saying, I feel seen for the first time. This show is tapping into this consistent anxiety or the level of social media and the pressures that this generation is genuinely feeling. I think that is, it's it's been praised for the kind of the authentic way it looks at that. But it also... It's not quite nostalgia, but if you are in your late 20s, 30s, even stretching to 40, you can still look back on your high school years and you do, as you get older, you look back with rose-coloured glasses and you kind of forget some of the massive things that happen and how big they make you feel, even though some of the bigger things in your life are yet to come. And I do think now this this show has crossed into those audiences and it's that broad. Even some of the music, it's edgy and it's cool, but there's also a lot of music that was popular more when we were at this age. You know, you've got kind of rappers from the early 2000s thousands and late 90s and it's not necessarily just a playlist that young people would be 
listening or discovering new music now. So I think it is blending generations. Yeah, definitely. One of the sort of like, you know, what it wasn't heavy criticism. It was kind of like joking criticism, but I did read a review where it's like, there's no way that kids are listening to this music. Like, there's just no way that kids are into, you know, like late nineties hip hop. This is a hundred percent the 35 year old man who's like running the show's favorite tunes, which is fine. I thought that was kind of funny criticism of the show. And I think it's also been said that Sam Levinson, the writer, the director, the showrunner on this has talked about his own struggles with addiction and troubles and and so he would be having a lot of his point of view going into this as well and you can kind of see his influence through all of it obviously writing and directing every episode as well you can see his influence through every part of the screen as you watch it I think your point you just said something about parents or the lack of parents it's so interesting isn't it? it's like so the are the parents paying attention is this show making parents and love to hear from our listeners like is it bringing up conversations if you are watching this with your child or is it something you're very not not very much not watching in the lounge room together but maybe you're watching to try and understand what they're going through I'm shocked in this show how little presence the parents have. Obviously, Rue's mum plays a really big role, especially in the last episode of season one, and some of the things she says are really profound. But it's also like, where are the parents here? Well, there seems to be no parental supervision. Yeah, um, don't quote me on this because I've not watched the is- Israeli version, but I did read that the Israeli version, the parents are never like purposefully never in the show at all because it is meant to be like this very much teenage view of the world. So maybe that sort of inspired part of why there's so little adults in the show because it is meant to be about the sort of teenage world that they're that they're going through it is a teenage show and there's so many teenage shows that I wouldn't recommend my friends watch but I would absolutely recommend they watch this and I think part of it is they're going through such serious heavy things that obviously it's huge for a teenager to go through but you could watch any one of these apps and a 20 year old or a 30 year old or a 40 year old could be going through breakups uh could be going through substance abuse could be going through like families falling apart could be going through like identity crises could be going through mental health issues like the topics that they're covering obviously impact teenagers and it's more dramatic when you're at that age and going through these things but maybe that like that is just part of the appeal of the show is that they're going through very universal things but I love that the show is not about that thing. Like one of the things that's so interesting is the relationship for me between Rue and Jules. You've got someone that's transitioning, it's transgender, but it's not about that. It's just about their relationship. Like it's almost like the anxiety, the social media, the drugs. It's it's just in the environment. It's all around them. You don't have to have a show go, this is about kids on drugs or this is about, you know, sexual identity. It's basically saying this is all happening around these kids all the time now. These are themes, as you say, that aren't just for this generation. But I just ha- love how they're not the point of the show. They're just in the show. And I think that's interesting where season two goes with it as well. Because one of the things I loved about Euphoria when it came out is it very quickly created its own almost like visual stamp. If it's on in the living room and I, when my husband would watch it ahead of me or something and I'd come back in and I'd walk through the room and you instantly know from a couple of seconds of listening to it or just the look of it that that's euphoria. Like it's it, just, it kind of created a look that it then owned. And when you think about all the other teenage shows and like you said, how do you think it stood out when so many people are trying to do this? Like it's it just looks so different. The visual style of the show is so distinct and so like, I don't know if it's like, is it a dreamscape or is it like a nightmare? It just makes the show so much more compelling for me. As someone who has burnt through it really quickly, there's a couple of like little tropes 
where you're like, why is every like pitch black park got this like beautiful beaming light coming out from the back of it? And like, it's just the style, like it just looks great. But you start, you do start to notice a couple of those things, but it does, it makes the show so, so much more compelling in that even the, um, the episode at the sort of amusement park, like they just lean into those lights and those rides and the scenery. And I think in someone else's hands, the show could have just been this like suburban high school thing, but instead it's this indie film dreamscape. Visually, I find it incredible. It is so, you're so right. It really is. I, I read in, um, a- an interview with Sam Levinson and he said that season one should feel like stylistically a house party at 2am. You're in the moment, the lights are bright, you're in the party, everyone's energy's there. And then as we look at season two, which we're we're up to episode two, um, these are dropping weekly on Mondays on Binge. He said it's almost like now stylistically season two looks like 5am. It's way past the time everyone should have gone home and almost puts a bit of memory element to it rather than that like intensity of being like I'm in the moment. Interestingly, he's also moved to shoot season two on 35mm film um, and not shoot this digitally, which in itself could probably take up a a conversation. But it then makes it look, to your point, it looks like an indie film. It looks so different. Like it's so cool watching the episodes and how that's also changed from season one. I think he started to play with this in the special episodes and even maybe in season one. But to do the entire season two on film is kind of cool. If you haven't watched Euphoria, it's worth giving it a go. Episode one, to John's point, it feels like you're at a drugs party. The show develops and it does go into a lot more depth than just that first um, appearance. Season two, I was really excited, though, because in season one, you almost have the backstory of all these main characters. The character that Zendaya plays, Rue, Nate, one of the jocks at high school, Kat, Jules, Maddie, all the kind of characters get introduced with their backstory and then you still seeing the world through the main characters and Daya's character, Rue. But season two started with the backstory. I just, I just think maybe we can talk a little bit about some of that. But Fez, um, who was one of the main characters who didn't get a backstory in episode one, I was really happy that one kind of started with his background. We have some... Um, a cool cameo from, well, not cameo, but his grandmother, um, who's played by Catherine, Na, I think it's Naduti or Naducci, who was in The Sopranos and has been in lots of different things. And just the beginning of episode one of season two was amazing. It starts with a remake of an Elvis song, walking into a strip club. I think the, the grandma on the back of her jacket has God's word or God's will or something like that. She's an yeah. absolute, like, criminal rock star and you understand this kid's story. And I was just like, boom, we're back. Like I just was like, and then the way it looks so different to season one, I was just like, there's a lot to come back into Euphoria in season two. Just to wrap up, I saw a review and the headline was stop comparing Euphoria to Skins. <laughs> um, like that, that was the headline of the review. And I, I get their point, but I do think, at least for people of my age, I know Skins was sort of a big deal at the time. And I do think Skins is a really good reference for this show. So if you did enjoy Skins at the time, or if you've discovered it later, I would say definitely check out Euphoria as well. Yeah, more skins, train spotting, kids than, you know, Dawson's Creek, but check it out. I think we'll be talking about this. We've still got how many weeks of episodes? We've got 10 episodes in season two or eight? Yeah. Eight, uh, eight I think. Yeah. Season one, there was eight, wasn't there? So if it's the same, we've got six more weeks to be talking about this. We will probably come back to it because even though you're new to Euphoria, John, I think you might be hooked. Is it safe to say? Uh, yes. And there are, you're, you're right, there are eight. Eight apps in total. So we've got six more weeks of this um, with new episodes um, 
dropping Mondays on Binge and obviously all of season one and the two specials, which we didn't even talk about, but there's two specials, The Bridge season one and two are all on Binge. And they're all going off. Everyone's watching them like crazy, aren't they? Yes. The Australians seem to be loving Euphoria. Uh, you want to come over for dinner tonight? Uh, I wish, but my dad wants to have like a capital F, capital D family dinner. Well, um, what about later? Um, probably gonna do some homework, binge watch some Madoka Magica. Okay, well, um, maybe you could like come over Sunday night because my mom's like asking to meet you and stuff. Are you talking to your mama about me? No. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> bye, Ruth. Oh, bye. Somebody Somewhere stars comedian and cabaret performer Bridget Everett giving a subtle performance as a middle-aged woman who had returned home to care for her ailing sister is now trying to adjust to her new life. I lost my sister six months ago. You know, I keep trying to go through her stuff and I get kind of stuck. What a shitty year, huh? <laughs> Love you too, Dad. so sorry about Holly. She was a few years ahead of us, right? No, I, I knew I recognized you. No, you didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I want to know, I mean, what are you doing with your goddamn life? <laughs> I came home so I could take care of Holly because nobody else wanted okay, to. Okay, right, so that was one year. Babe, what should I eat? The Mexican casserole's really good. There she is. The marketing for this series uses the tagline, a coming of middle age story, which I think sums things up pretty well. If Euphoria uh, was about the growing pains of sort of teenagehood, I think Somebody Somewhere is maybe about the growing pains of middle life. Hallie, what, what did you think of this? I don't know. I didn't really go look at this as like a growing pain story. I've only seen the first few episodes, so I haven't seen the whole thing. So maybe that's where it goes. But to me, this is exactly what I feel like watching right now. It is warm. It is heartfelt. There's some guts to it, but it's funny. And the characters are just beautiful. I'm already in love with Joel. And we can get to talk about who he is. But I'm into this world straight away. And I just think it's got such a nice tone. Um, and it's like a tonic. It's just, I think people are going to love this show. Yeah, if, if like you said, Euphoria is like 2 a.m., on a Tuesday when you should be in bed asleep. I feel like somebody somewhere is like 1 p.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> like you're much more relaxed. Yeah, and it's Saturday when you've got no plans and you're like, do I go yeah. to the shops? Do I ring my friend? Do I lay in bed? Like, just You've just, had a little sleep in, you've yeah. had a coffee. It's got a really nice pace. It's just, it's like a tonic and it's warm. And I just, I really liked it. Like I really want to watch more, which I think is always a really nice sign. But Bridget Everett's quite a famous comedian. Like she's a stand-up comedian, like an edgy comedian, but she plays quite a broad role here, would you say? Yeah. But also quite true to her life. Is it? Is it actually about her life? I think it's filmed in her town. She didn't create the show. It's created by a couple of other writers who I think have infused a lot of her real life into it. So it you know, may be semi-autobiographical. But yeah, people might be familiar with Bridget Everett from Inside Amy Schumer. She used to kind of do a, every season, she would do a bit of a performance and she's known for this kind of quite out there sort of cabaret. I think she calls it alt cabaret. And she's been in a bunch of movies. You'd like, you definitely recognize her face, but this is a kind of her first big starring vehicle 
if you know her for her performances, this is definitely sort of a tonal shift. In a couple of the reviews that I read, I just took out a couple of quotes because I think you've nailed the tone really well, but I think it's worth reiterating. Um, And a couple of the critics uh, have called this disarmingly earnest, invitingly unhurried, and eccentric. So I think... It's kind of hard to explain without just watching the show, but tonally it's a very different feel to a lot of stuff on television. Yeah, that's exactly how it made me feel. And it actually made me think a bit about, you know how when you we first watched White Lotus, we are like, whoa, I haven't really seen something like this before or ever or for a while. And this was like, it's got this wholesomeness, but not in a US network comedy kind of way. It's almost like you're watching a film. I felt like I was watching a woman go back to her hometown and have an experience, like a coming of age experience, but in a film kind of way, not in this like, and now I'm back in the suburbs and how is it going to be? Like, yeah, you have to watch it. Yeah. The other word, like I keep wanting to call it wholesome and I feel like that just doesn't do it justice, but it is kind of wholesome in a way, like in a good way, not in a sort of corny way. But there's a bit of meat. So she does go home to look after her sister who's, who's died. We don't know what we find out how she died. Um, we don't know where she's come from to come home. There's an interesting relationship, some interesting stuff with her sister and her parents, as is often the case in these things. And almost the nostalgia of what her promise was at high school and where she's kind of got to in her life. And that's probably where the growing pains coming of age thing comes through. Cause it's like, what do I really want to be my life to be about? And it often takes a big event in your life, like the death of someone you love or the end of a romance or a relationship to kind of make you assess that. But she's still young enough. Like she's probably late 30s or something like it's not wistfully looking back but it's literally like what do I want my life to be about yeah I think like you know it's a fairly universal theme of life gets a little bit off track and you lose track of you know a dream you might have had or a passion you wanted to pursue and then she's obviously had this big moment in her life where she had to sort of do this reset and go home and look after her sister and now her sister has died and now she's kind of like what is life like what am I doing and you know this isn't a spoiler but the first episode sort of kicks off with her reconnecting with this friend and sort of being invited to this underground choir thing that takes place in a mall church (laughs) and obviously she's um you know Bridget Everett the real human is this very talented singer and it also sort of leans into the character having this sort of you know maybe missed opportunity throughout life and this is going to sound corny but like literally finding their voice again and sort of doing it through what looks like this sort of like ragtag choir that she's been invited to for me this is it feels like you're watching an indie film there's a really big heartfelt cherry on the top because there's singing um and like you said finding your voice not in an overly cheesy way like there's there's some guts to this as well yeah I really like somebody somewhere I think people are going to be really surprised and, and and find they fall into this pretty easily and pretty happily. There's a few familiar faces. I love the fact that Mike Haggerty popped up. Some of you might know him as the maintenance man from Friends, but I loved him in Overboard, the 80s film starring um, Goldie Horn and, and Kurt Russell. He plays uh, Kurt Russell's best friend. So um, he plays Bridget Everett's father in this. Any other familiar faces that people might know? No, I think that might be it. It's, um again, this isn't I keep finding words that sound like criticism, but it also, it's a small show, like in a good way. It's not this sprawling, ambitious, thousands of storylines. You're really just following this one woman who's going through this sort of moment in life. That also is what makes it so enjoyable to me is that it is quite narrow and small, but in a nice sort of warm way. Yeah, and in a way that her experiences will probably tap into lots of different people. I think there'll be a lot of empathy and understanding of her character. 
Yes, I think, you know, as much as people will be able to relate to moments in Euphoria, um, I think a lot of people are going to watch somebody somewhere and see parts of parts of themselves in this. But yeah, I so I've only seen the first two. This is another eight episode show that's rolling out weekly. And um, yeah, episode one is streaming now um, with new episodes coming out each Wednesday on Binge. One time I drove off the road during this crazy blizzard. You don't even want to know the things I had to do to get through. What did you um, take yourself a little cup? Fill up that cup hmm. with some wee-wee. I gotta drink my wee-wee. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Drink my own urine I gotta drink, 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 drink my wee-wee. Oh, no. I gotta drink it. <laughs> drink it. Drink it. I drink it. My wee-wee. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> John, we are up to the stage of the podcast for dinner party recommendations because probably part of what you and I do for jobs, I have lots of friends and lots of people always asking me what's good to watch and I find myself um, being asked this quite a lot at dinner. Um, I know lots of us are having quiet time at the moment with COVID going around the place, but if you were at a dinner party and you were asked by a friend or an acquaintance to recommend a show on Binge, go on, tell us, tell us what we should watch. Uh, so this is a recommendation of a recommendation, and it's another show that I only started watching um, once I once I joined Binge and I discovered it. Mel in marketing, hey Mel, if you're listening, hey uh, Mel, <laughs> uh, was very keen on Dave. We got a little Dicky in here, little Dicky, little Dicky. Holy shit, man! Why you call yourself little Dicky? You got a little Dicky? It's never even grown at all since I was a uh. child. There's two seasons. Um, there's about 20 eps, but they're half hours, so it's like 10 hours. Like you could definitely burn through it in a weekend. This is from US cable network FX, and it is uh, written and created by a rapper and comedian who goes by the stage name Little Dicky, whom I wasn't super familiar with. He had sort of one very big viral hit, um, but you know, is is a um, sort of acclaimed performer in his own right. His real name is Dave Bird. It's again sort of this semi-autobiographical look at this sort of neurotic, slightly delusional rapper who's, you know, releasing music on SoundCloud and Twitter and think, like, legitimately thinks he is the greatest rapper alive. And he has, you know, there's lots of brushes with fame, you know, like Justin Bieber's in this, um, a lot of, like, writers and, like, real hip-hop writers and producers also make appearances in the show. So, yeah, it's got that, like, fame touch of entourage, but in terms of comedy, I would say more fits into, like, like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine or even, like, a What We Do in the Shadows kind of, like, tone. It's excellent. I've burned through the whole thing. It also takes some sort of much, like, euphoria, some sort of like fun experimental bets like there are some interesting sort of standalone apps which I think are really good and again I keep thinking that wholesome is like a bad thing to say there's nothing wrong with things being wholesome but the show also has this kind of like wholesome thread through it which I will immediately erase when I explain why but his name his stage name is Little Dicky and it is because he has like a deformed penis <laughs> and it's like a surprisingly again, wholesome subplot about this man who sort of has to deal with having this sort of 
deformed from birth penis. So yeah, if that hasn't confused you enough or, you know, sparked enough interest, I would say definitely check out Dave. It's incredibly well-reviewed. It's um, been a really big success for FX in, in the US. It's a fun, easy watch, but it's it's got a bit of meat on it. Uh, I said a dinner party recommendation. I think talking about a man with a deformed penis would then take the dinner party into a very cool direction, John Boehm. So you not only are you bringing good TV recommendations, you'd be a guest that would be invited back, one would imagine. Well, thank you. I'm not going, none of us are going to a lot of dinner party recommendations, but even before COVID, that wasn't happening. So maybe I need to stop talking about penises. <laughs> Ali, please take us out of the gutter. What, what, what are you recommending this week? I am recommending a series that is on binge, uh, eight episodes. It's a 2019 drama. It's called Upright. So after Love Me, which we've just had um, premiere over the summer, so many people have, who've told me that they've loved Love Me have said, I love Australian drama. What else should I watch? And I want people that have not watched Upright to watch Upright. It is from the mind of the the great Tim Minchin and it stars an Australian actress called Millie Alcock. You will next see her in none other than the HBO prequel House of Dragon. She is going to the moon, um, this actress, and she's brilliant in this series. But it is the story of two unlikely characters that get thrown together and effectively go on a road trip across the Australian desert. And it's called Upright because on the back of their truck um, or their ute, they are taking an upright piano across the Nullarbor. Starts with a meeting in the middle of the desert. It finishes in Perth. It stars the divine Heather Mitchell, who's also in Love Me. Kate Box, who you might know from Stateless and Wetworth and Fires. There's lots of really great Australian actors in this, but it's also got a killer soundtrack and Tim's musical element comes through in this story. And again, eight episodes, about 30 minutes each. So it's a really easy weekend binge, but you feel uplifted, sad. I remember, you know, being so moved by the final episode. The music plays a really big part in it as well, but just some, some really, really good acting. Have you seen Upright? No, I haven't. But I did just see that second season is coming. Is that right? Yeah, I th- this is something that's going to be a second season is going to get made this year as a Foxtel original back in 2019. Um, it's been sold around the world, but it is a, yeah, it's a, it's a new take on the road trip, but not in a Wolf Creek, I'm um, getting chased by baddies kind of way. <laughs> a good kind of road trip way. Yeah, the one that makes you kind of want to get a camper van and drive across the country kind of way. piano yeah it's a piano ah, do you play no i mean not at night not at in hospitals yeah no no i didn't, didn't mean here just but in general yeah do you play? no yes no, no good not. okay good night thanks okay this week on skip intro we talked about euphoria and somebody somewhere both of which are um coming out weekly on binge um i recommended you check out the comedy series dave and ali suggested the australian original upright you can of course find binge on all your favorite devices i'm john bowen ali thanks so much for being here once again this podcast was produced by dan barrett with audio editing and mixing by chris yates and we'll be back next week 